All right, Colin, how are you doing today? I'm good, Harry. How are you? I'm doing excellent, and I'm excited for today's guest because he is an angel investor, obviously, and an expert in a topic that I honestly know nothing about. So I feel like I selfishly set this one up so that Sean would like teach me all about dev tools and what he's an expert in. I'm happy to do whatever I can. <laughs> it's a complex topic. Awesome. It's a tough job, well, but, you know. Yeah, and I'm glad we have Sean. So Sean, quickly uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your experience. Yeah. Um, hey everyone, I'm Sean. I uh, am an angel investor, developer relations person, developer myself. And then uh, right now I'm actually working on a new startup that I'm trying to start because you can only watch other people do startups for so long before you want to get in the game yourself. Um, nice. And I've been, angel, I've been angel investing for four years now. Uh, and I'm also a scout, which is another topic that you guys want to cover uh, for uh, another, for a fund, CRV capital, but uh, happy to talk about uh, any of those things. I've cool. made about 25 uh, investments and some some zeros, some uh, some very, very successful things. And so I can talk about the full range. Very cool. And what's your day job or what was your most recent day job? Um, and then yes. it sounds like now you're focused on the startup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so most recent day job, I was uh, head of developer experience uh, for uh, Airbyte, which is the data pipeline company um, uh, that was uh, most recently uh, valued at, I think, 1.5 billion. Um, and oh. uh, and it's just like all about open source and data integration into companies that you've heard of, but never really dug into like Snowflake and Databricks and uh, Amazon Redshift or Google BigQuery. I'm happy to talk about all those things. Very cool. And so I guess uh, on the angel investment side, um, sounds like you've done about 25 angel investments so far. What's your average check size? Uh, I started out with 5k because I, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I think that obviously that's, that's, that's ideal. And then you ramp it up as you go along. So uh, personal check, uh, you know, goes up to about 20k. Mm -hmm. um, and then for the scout checks, uh, it starts at 25 and goes up to 100. Um, depending on, you know, how, how much you think the how much you believe in the company versus what the valuation of the company is versus yeah. how much allocation you have left in the scout funding. Happy to talk about all those. Got it. And yeah. what type of startups uh, do you look for and what stage? Yeah, exclusively uh, DevTools. I've done one uh, non-DevTools startup and I, I, got, I locked out. I, I picked uh, one of the two creator economy startups that worked. Uh, which which is one was that? Circle.so. Sure. Very um, cool. Everything else, on, basically everything else died except for Circle and Substack. So I, I think uh, if you invested in creator economy stuff in 2020, you, you had to really, really pick them well. Got it. Got it. So I think we should just ask, uh, so we can educate Harry, like what is, <laughs> what is dev tools? What's dev? I, yeah. I've, Colin, I've act like in, you don't know either. Okay. That was a bit of no, a straw man question. Uh... <laughs> I've been in product management for a long time. So I, uh, I know. Hey, what you know what? Colin, I'm, an, mean, I'm an engineer. Just <laughs> FYI, people. Okay, uh, retired, but uh, you know, yeah, aerospace. So not the real kind of engineer, but I am a retired aerospace engineer. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so I tend to break. Dev tools are tools for developers, um, and I think that can be a very broad definition or very narrow definition based on who you talk to. Um, but I try to make it broad just because I need a blanket term for everything that I do. Mm -hmm. um, so that could be cloud infrastructure, 
that so so I have I have a few categories uh, and I run a Discord with other DevTools investors and so basically we segment the the market by you know what category they are in uh, mm. and so the categories that we have are Dev productivity which is like kind of IDE tooling or um, uh, product management tools uh, like Atlassian would count because they, they interact with with mm. uh, DevTools uh, Atlassian more more popularly known for their Jira uh, product management ticketing system. Uh, so that's that's one that's one category dev productivity the second category would be databases and data engineering um so if you you make a database like a uh, uh chroma like a uh, mother duck sorry these are all like seed stage companies yeah and uh and they're not gonna be as popular as like a that's MongoDB fine no i think i think it's Elastic. interesting yeah give, give us the the quick the, what you're doing is perfect Okay, so so that's that's the second category: databases and data engineering, uh, which covers Snowflake, by the way, the largest tech IPO of the past decade. Um, then cloud infrastructure, which is anything to do with uh, deploying deploying things to cloud, running layers on top of clouds, what we call second layer cloud. Uh, I worked at both AWS and uh, a second layer cloud myself uh, called Netlify. Uh, now the 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 one that's kind of leading that the second layer cloud pack is Vercel, uh, but there are also a bunch of other uh, other fresh takes on it, like Railway. Mm -hmm. uh, and render.com and and, um, uh, and and I can go more in, into detail if you want. Um, then there is uh, low code, no code, which is typically not regarded to be dev tooling, but developers, but you, you can call these sort of citizen developers. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's also low code platforms for developers like airplane.dev. Um, and uh, definitely a lot of developers are finding that there's a nice intersection uh, between yeah. the low code space and, and developers, because it's just always painful to write code, no matter yeah. who you are. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then well, finally, uh, it, it's security. So anything to do it. with uh, screening your stuff. Right. Got it. Well, I think what That's was cool universe. in yeah, that, I I appreciate that, and I feel like I just got the quick uh, education. So um, don't know what any of it is or does. I mean, other than you know security, I think that like high level makes a lot of sense. But I think what was cool in reading about your work and your bio, it seems like there's a lot of communities and Discord and a lot of knowledge being shared um, yeah. in kind of this whole world that obviously is very important to tech and engineering that I, I and I, I think others may not know a ton of, a ton about. Are there a lot of uh, angel investors in this dev tool space or are you kind of uh, unique <laughs> um i actually don't know because uh i don't have any measure for what the relative population of dev tool of angel investors are in other spaces like mm. let's say consumer or like yeah um, well there's a lot in know, consumer i think <laughs> medical or like yeah you know, b2b SaaS that is not dev tooling um uh, so, so I, I I struggle to make a global observation because I only do one thing, and that's mainly because I'm not in this to become a thought leader on angel investing. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean this because I have friends who are smarter than me, uh, and this is this seemed like a better thing to do than buy CryptoKitties or whatever. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, I also I also you know intend to be a founder someday myself, and working with the founders that I've invested in has uh, given me a lot of insight as to what an early stage company really looks like. Got it. So it sounds like there are a few reasons why you got into it. If you had to kind of narrow that down and sort of rank your top two or three reasons, like what was the impetus for getting into angel investing? Uh, honestly, it's because I, I made friends with uh, the Superbase team and mm -hmm. they were coming out of Y Combinator and I was like, uh, these guys sound like they have, they have a really good idea, which is open source Firebase. Uh, that's based on Postgres, which everyone loves Postgres. Um, and so I, I, that was my first uh, angel check. And coincidentally, the best performing one so far. <laughs> nice. nice. I, I'm familiar with that. Uh, 
Well, so it also sounds like, you know, you've progressed just from angel investing and, and what sounds like some good companies here, but also to being a scout. Uh, so tell us, what is a scout? Is it like yep. the person that goes in the front of the battlefield and gets killed first? Or like, <laughs> what, what, like uh, in a way, yeah, I think what it is. is it right? this... <laughs> so I have, uh, you know, uh, because I'm Singaporean, uh, I have a slightly unique perspective on this because I've actually been a scout in a military context. And oh, now wow. I'm a scout. I'm a scout in a VC context. Oh, uh, so cool. a scout would, would would sort of like you know be the forward party, uh, very very light, very very try to remain unnoticed, but try to spot you know areas of interest for the main party to to go to, right? Uh, call out risks and call out areas of interest. And a scout would um, you know economically there's the, there's the economic relationship and then there's the sort of professional relationship. Uh, the economic relationship is that the main VC funds would uh, assign you a, a portion of money, uh, typically between 150K to 300K, let's say. Um, and there are deals, and my deal is bigger than that, but uh, there, and there are deals that where essentially they're super scouts. So Peter Thiel is renowned for uh, essentially handing you a few million dollars uh, to be a scout. Uh, and, the, uh, and, and most people should know that the history of scouting starts with, I think Jason Calacanis, Mm. Um, and Sam Maltman, Jason, uh, first scout, Jason's first scout deal with Sequoia was Uber. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which is That's a, a good one. Deal. And What's Sam he, the, is he like the third or fourth investor in Uber? Exactly. And it's, uh, <laughs> you, you can, you can never tell. And you know, it's, uh, the, the fact is lost to history. Um, uh, Sam Altman, uh, most people, uh, talk about him for open AI, but his first scout deal was Stripe. Hmm. And most people don't know that. Um, I feel anyway, like so, there's a theme here, right? If your first deal isn't like a home run, like maybe you're know, not meant I'm to be. Screwed. Like you, Sean, uh, Jason, and Sam Altman, and uh, <laughs> I don't want to think about what my first deal was, so I'm probably yeah. not going to be a home run. But uh, I can live vicariously and, through you. Yeah, and and um, you know, happy to talk about this is deal flow. But a quick take on deal flow, and it touches on the thing that you had earlier is you need mm -hmm. to be you need to know everyone that is working on anything interesting in the community. And they need to come inbound to you because you you provide something of value to them. Uh, so we can talk about that as uh, as as a as a as a side thing. Yeah. But I want to talk. Uh, I want to finish up the scout thing. So uh, the VC fund hands over their economics to you. So let's say the VC takes uh, twenty percent carry. Uh, mm -hmm. You would basically you would typically take all of that carry uh, from that CTO, um, and then uh, they will obviously have to have the chance to co-invest alongside you. Typically, there'll be a bonus if if they do that because then you've essentially sourced that deal yeah. for that company because they would not have done the deal otherwise and they're very aggressive they're very aggressive and interested in doing that typically that does not happen um, they'll either pass or, or, or co-invest um, and then and uh, that actually puts their foot in the door for the next round if, if that uh, company becomes super interesting um, and then so that's the that's the economic deal and then i want to round out the professional deal professional deal is that there's actually a lot of informal back and forth with uh, my scout partner uh, and, and i uh, which is like hey what do you think about this company like how do you think of like that that's them talking to me as a, as a domain expert and then me talking yeah. to them as like a, hey i'm looking at this company how do you think about it from a vc point of view because i don't know that industry as well as they do they work in it right yeah um, they see a lot more deals than i do um so i think there's a lot of good back and forth that is uh, over and above the um the the the, the partnership um and then there's obviously like the, the side kicker which is exactly what's working out with me which is when i start a company <laughs> yeah. they will have had a multi-year relationship with me so you know they they they're they definitely in the consideration 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that, uh, that roundup and, uh, you know, obviously CRV ventures is a pretty, uh, big and well-respected firm. Uh, I think I know, uh, SAR over there at, uh, CRV. Um, how did you, uh, sort of get this deal? Cause it sounds like pretty good deal for you. <laughs> yeah, honestly. So I was, um, I have a big enough audience that I could yeah. have done a rolling fund, and I was actually mm -hmm. actively exploring rolling fund of, uh, angel list and, a, and an operating partner that I had. Um, I just decided it was too much work and, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't want to be continually responsible for fundraising every single quarter. And this scout deal seemed like way better, uh, you know, so people heard that I was doing this rolling fund and then they came up, they came into me. So, um, it was Andreessa and Sequoia and CRV and CRV actually just offered the most money. Hmm. Um, and I was like, you know, I, I like the, the partner that I had and, and, you know, I think that the, the, like what I chafe at as an angel is not being able to offer in significant investment capital because I'm not rich yet. Right. Yeah. Um, so if, if I can only give like 10, 15 K checks, like that's not actually really going to affect the company in any material way. But if I can go to hundred K then yes, that's, that's actually going to really help uh, someone who's trying to fundraise. Um, so I'm like, yeah, I, I want more capital to deploy. So went with the, went with the money. That makes sense. I think one of the questions I, you know, will have about scouting is, it seems like it's with a lot of the like bigger multi-stage kind of uh, funds. Is it is it really because they don't do a lot at the pre-seed level like early, and that that's kind of like the outsourcing of this essentially? Um, they do a lot of them, but actually, um, the really hot deals they struggle to they they you know they 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 want to be in the really hot deals, so you know just. Um, they want to. They want to be. In, they want to see every deal essentially, uh, and they want to have a signal from people like me that this is going to be a good one. Um, and then also, um, I, I don't know. I, I think. I think it's kind of a way to just build uh, intelligence network, like a spy agency almost, like a scout. It's a scout network, right? Like, yeah. like uh, um, you know, they only have so many partners, and if you can multiply the number of partners by giving them a little bit of money each, uh, that it's really not really going to affect your, your funds uh, in a material way, but it's going to significantly increase their alliance to you, uh, then why not? Uh, it's, it's, it is, it's kind of uh, very much like the affiliate partnership of mm -hmm. the VC world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the way you put that. And Sean, so I think it's pretty clear from what you've explained in your bio and, you know, sort of working at large companies and, you know, investing yourself and sounds like you're very uh, deep into the communities and running groups. And I think you're blogging and speaking, and it sounds like you've built this great platform. Um, I mean, talk a little bit about how other, like, have you advised other people to kind of do this? Cause you mentioned inbound. And I think that's a key thing, right? Like you almost want to make so much noise in some area that you're an expert that you now get the deals or you now have the funds that want you to be a scout like talk a little bit about how you sort of built yourself up to this point and like what you would advise other people because i'm imagining like everyone mm. listening right now is probably like wow sound being a scout sounds great but like how do great we deal. you know put people on the path to get there if they're if that's something they're yeah. interested in well, well so, so for the extremely new angel investors i should also caution you that like you're doing a, you're essentially doing a bunch of work for free because you mm -hmm. don't see this any of this money <laughs> until maybe you get lucky seven to 10 years from now. Okay? Yeah, fair. Uh, and and so, some people have gotten extremely rich of their stuff. Most of them will, will not. Uh, and and I, I do this out of love and, you know, learning and you know, all that good vibes. Um, um, and the other thing that I want to respond to in your comment was making a bunch of noise. Um, I think you should try to make a bunch of signal 
-hmm. and the noise the noise is when you fail to achieve signal uh, but I think that that's the difference like, because I think a lot of people try to go for quantity without a thesis on quality um, mm -hmm. and, the and, the, and, and the quantity of output um, is, is a means to an end of achieving quality. And if you can achieve quality without quantity, then all, all more power to you. Okay, with that preface, uh, when I started out, I wasn't do, uh, intending to do any of this like sort of um, inbound marketing or anything like that. Um, I just generally, uh, what I'm known for is this philosophy of learning in public. Uh, if you type in learning in public in Google, um, my, my post comes up because it's, uh, it's, it's pretty well regarded, uh, but it was, it was genuinely like a way to learn for myself authentically and, and uh, in a networked fashion. Um, mm -hmm. when, when you've got something wrong in public, some people, people tend to try to correct you because that is how the internet works. And when you've been wrong in public, um, you will always remember it. Right. And, and I think uh, very much it's, it's just a way of saying like the only thing stopping you from learning faster or learning better is your ego from appearing to look like a fool because you got something wrong. Um, mm -hmm. But I think if you can quickly course correct that uh, and show that you listen to others, um, I, you, you really build up a genuine following about the thing that you're interested in. Um, and then so the, I think that is like sort of like the base here. And then uh, beyond that is having clear thesis on where the future is going. Um, and then being sort of like a bad signal or like a lighthouse, uh, both mm -hmm. of these terms are, uh, so bad signal was coined by Andrew Chen, uh, who was me before me uh, at Jason Horowitz. And then um, uh, the, the light, lighthouse was, was coined by Matt Kobach, uh, who was most recently uh, director of marketing for fast.com, which blew up uh, <laughs> two years ago. Um, and then, uh, but, but basically it's just, when, you have, when you're sort of like the beacon or like the leading voice on a particular topic, or trend, then the people who are fundraising will come to you to try to be, uh, get you on their cap table because they want to show that you have their endorsements, right? So I have yeah. a few blog posts out there that just show up on people's board decks, uh, slide decks when they're fundraising. And gotcha. then, you know, when they say I'm, a, I'm an angel, like the VCs who, who know of this theme uh, are uh, correspondingly more interested in that. Uh, obviously, that is a very much of a lucky thing. You know, I blog like 50 times a year and one of those every year would would become like mm. a hit. And I, I, I can predict uh, ahead of time what, what, what it's going to be. Um, but you can or can't? Is, I, I, I mean, I have some idea. Obviously, mm -hmm. some things will be less interesting than others, but it's, it's hard. Like, so I have definitely worked on things really, really yeah. uh, intensely and then had them not work out. And, and I think that's just par for the course. Um, and then finally, you know, so the, the first tier is learn in public for yourself. Second tier is try to be a beacon for everyone else. Third tier would be try to build community um, around uh, the, the, the various topics that you're interested in. Um, and so when I started my DevTools investing, I also started DevTools uh, angel investing community. And so everyone else who was sort of vaguely interested in space and had nowhere else to go uh, joined in and I learned a lot from them. Um, and uh, so now, and so when you build community, you basically grow with the, the square of the number of nodes and connections in the community. Mm -hmm. And the, the way I like to phrase this for people is you don't have to know everything. You just need to know everybody who knows everything um, and have something to offer, valuable to offer them. Um, yeah. And that's how you build a mafia, I guess. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. And I guess tactically, if you were recommending folks, is there one of those three that you think they should get started in? Or, you know, like you mentioned blog posts that you do 50 blog posts a year. Um, I mean, that's a lot more than me and I run a media business. So I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's like a big commitment. Um, is it video or Twitter? Or what, what do you sort of like tactically, if someone came to you for advice, which one of those three items would you tell them to start? You know, like what, what should yeah. they think about 
um, you know, quickly? Uh, honestly, do what you're best at, right? I'm a writer, okay. so I write, Got it. right? But other people are video people. They, they should do video. You know, if you're podcast, you do podcast. Like, um, I, I don't, I don't, you know, every, there's, there's a huge variety of formats mm-hmm. and, you know, some people have natural inclinations to others. Um, I do think that writing is abnormally powerful because it is adaptable to, to a lot of different forms. Um, and it is more about clarity of thought than actual writing. Uh, like you can write really poorly if you have a good mm. idea. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. I always kind of joke, especially having started many websites that like a lot of my sites look like shit, but the content (laughs) is good and the ideas are good. And like, honestly, like we'll hire writers that are bad writers, but if they have a really unique take or a strategy or something (laughs) that they can share it, like it will make up for any, you know, lack of writing. You can always learn how to write or write, write passively, but just to throw that back on you, how do you interview these writers who are not great writers, but they have good, good ideas? Um, I mean, usually what I do is I'll just look for interesting thoughts, interesting takes, people tweeting me, emailing me, and I'll literally just ask them, hey, do you want to write this up? Or maybe, you know, can one of my writers interview you? Um, And I'll usually kind of give them like a deadline, like, hey, can you get a post back to me or an outline back to me within four days or seven days? And just to sort of make sure that they're somewhat reliable, because if they have the greatest idea and I want to hire them as a writer, but they can't get a post back to me, then it kind of defeats the whole purpose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I always am. I'm looking to scale writing beyond myself, and I haven't done that yet. So yeah, I mean that <laughs> is the challenge. I think on on the content side is that you know, like you have a day job, you're running a startup, yes. and you know, blog posts take a lot of time. So you know, I kind of always joke like content is a product, uh, although most people think of it as a byproduct. <laughs> yes, I just um, came up with that right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Write it on the wall. It. That's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so do you, I mean, I, I know it's really important for you to build community, build public, do all these things, uh, which I think both Harry and I agree with and have been embracing, uh, more and more, especially with this podcast. Uh, but yeah, you, I do a lot of stuff s- in public without even asking you, Colin, I just share <laughs> stats and stuff we're working on. So. Yeah. Harry won't ask you if you're comfortable. Uh, it'll just happen. So, um, but, but do you see this as like the, the main genesis of your deal flow? Uh, or, I mean, if not, how do you get most of your deal flow? What's, it, uh, is. What's... it is. Okay, great. Uh, so I'm, I'm regarded as sort of like a, a you know advisor for uh, companies that want to build developer relations uh, practices or developer communities because I've done both. Got at, it. Uh, three, at three unicorns. Um, so I, I think like I, I think somewhat that is undeserved because I was to, you know to to a lot of things like you know you, you get credit for the company being successful, but it's kind of unclear how responsible you are for it. You know, I know yeah. like I, I strong thesis as to why things work and why things don't, but it's not like I can deterministically change anything. Like I just have good ideas and, 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 and some inkling of bad ideas. Um, but yeah, I, I, you want to be regarded um, as, a, a, as a point tool, right? Like um, someone that people want to call in for a specific thing, because if you're, if you're a generalist advisor, um, then they don't really know what to call on you for. Um, you know, you, you should be more of a VC. Um, it, this is this relates to the conversation that we have pre-show, right? You want to be the ride-share guy. You want to be the points guy. And for for me, I, I'm the DevRel guy uh, or Dev community guy. You know, so I was and, thinking and the Dev guy that is a, has the nicest cachet. What do you think if we had to come up with a nickname <laughs> for you right Dev now? Is too, Sean? Dev is Dev is too broad. too broad, but yeah, sure. Uh, so so I I was the learning and public guy, and then uh, then I became you know I had, I had some various theses around self provisioning runtimes and cloud IDEs that they got really popular, uh, and then but uh, yeah, Devrel and Dev 
communities is, uh, is what I specialize in, and people come to me for that. It's a very comfortable position to be in. Uh, are um, you saying DevRel, D-E-V-R-E-L? Dev relations, yes. Got I it. should probably talk about that. Um, so the quick, TL, uh, you know, quick TLDR on that is that uh, developer tooling companies are very valuable, but uh, they struggle to communicate their value because uh, it's a very, very technical topic. Mm. Um, and if you take a traditional marketer and slap them on dev tool companies, they typically fail because everything that they do uh, falls flat to a developer facing audience because um, the traditional tropes like, hey, sell benefits, not features uh, mm -hmm. is exactly wrong for developers. Uh, mm. developers are builders and they want to know what your thing does and leave them to figure out what the benefits are. Got it. Interesting. Um, what, uh, while we're kind of on this, uh, sort of deep dive into the dev rel and dev tools world, what are some of the like areas or categories that you're most excited about either on a personal level? I don't know if you want to spill all the beans about your startup, but, um, you know, sort of like from either a personal <laughs> level or an investment level that like you think maybe are a little under the radar that like, Hey, if, if our audience is listening and they're a founder or, you know, more likely an angel investor that like, Oh, keep an eye out for this area, look for some startups or look at some decks in this area. Um, there's so many. <laughs> well, if you had to pick one, that's why it's, that's, that's, that's all of uh, startup and life and tech, right? There's a million things to do or that you care about, but you yes. got to pick one thing to work on um, today. All right. So I'll, I'll talk about one investment I have, and then I can talk about the, the company I'm working on. Uh, sure. the, uh, so the, one of the investments I had just announced their seed round today. Uh, it's an cool. $18 million seed round and a $75 million valuation, uh, which is pretty hot for a seed round. Uh, say say that one more time, eight and 25? 18 million 18. at 75. Oh, at 75. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, definitely. It's, it's Chroma uh, led by Quiet Capital, uh, Astasia Myers, who I also have an uh, ongoing uh, professional uh, advising relationship with. Um, and they are, one, they are the first sort of open source uh, embeddings database mm -hmm. uh, that is, that is you know, very lightweight and easy to use instead of like a Jupyter notebook. Um, and, and what is an embeddings database is, is a new kind of database. By the way, one of the rules in one of the rules of thumbs in, in DevTools investing is whenever you encounter a database, just hold your nose, close your eyes and invest um, because <laughs> databases make money left, right and center just because they are stores of uh, uh, stores of uh, truth and facts and, and um, you, you people know how to pay them. We know how to run call businesses on them. And the, the largest companies like MongoDB and Snowflake are all databases. Mm. Okay, um, so Chroma, uh, is an embeddings database. And what does that mean? It is uh, it's a new generation of sort of like AI native databases that uh, understands how to take the vectors that you get out of, uh, you know, AI search queries and then uh, return you like similarity or distance ranked um, results. Uh, and that is a, uh, that is obviously very, very hot for anything um, AI enabled search or chat, uh, anything mm -hmm. with memory for uh, large, large language models, which don't, do not have memory. Very cool. Um, and uh, what is, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the, the startup idea that you're working on? Ah, okay. Uh, so <laughs> um, it is uh, it is a model distillation company. Uh, we haven't uh, settled on the name yet, but I, the, the general trend is that um, in last in last year and sort of those that started this year, um, we have been trending towards larger and larger models, longer and longer change, larger context, larger prompts. Mm -hmm. um, and that is all great and fine. It is slow, expensive, and you don't own it. And so we are basically building a platform to empower the counter trend to that. Smaller models that are domain specific that only do one thing that you own, um, that you can run on the edge and uh, you know, it's just friendlier because it won't kill you. Um, and I, I'm generally a fan of things that will not have posed an existential threat to humanity. Um, <laughs> so if you're interested in AI safety, come talk to me <laughs> and, and models Very cool. installation. 
Very yeah, cool. I figured AI would come up at some point in our uh, yes. discussion, Sean. It's a, it's a tool. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. no. Yeah, tell us what you're going to say. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think there's certainly a lot of hype, and it definitely attracts dreamers mm -hmm. who hand wave over very, very important capabilities that we don't have yet. Mm -hmm. And I don't like it because um, it's it, it really complicates the discussion for builders, right? Like, what can we do today instead yeah. of, oh, like, I'm positive we're going to have this five years from now, 10 years from now. And, you know, don't be so sure because we still don't have self-driving cars. And we've been predicting <laughs> this since, you know, whenever, 2013 or whatever, right? Not me, but um, yeah, others have. <laughs> yes, like AI is simultaneously accelerating faster than we think, but it's also further away than we think. Yeah, I think it's also the solution to your guys' question about all your writing that you were talking about uh, eventually. So uh, <laughs> maybe. So now that you're going to go in the other direction, right? You're going to start a company or you're in the on the process. Now that you've yeah. funded a bunch of companies, you've done angel investing, you've done scouting. The, the thing I've been hearing a lot about listeners to our podcast is we, we have the angels, but we also have a lot of founders that are like, wow, the psychology of what we're learning is really helpful. Like I now know how to talk to these people, right? Versus just sending emails and hoping for the best, right? Um, so if you could go back now and put yourself uh, in the shoes of a founder with everything you know about, you know, funding companies, what advice would you give? About what? About, about being <laughs> about a founder? fundraising? Like, like, like if you're about going fundraising, yeah, yeah. Like, what would you? Like ah. with angels or with VCs yeah, 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 or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know. I have a term sheet that I can't show you right now, but uh, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it's very, very hot topic uh, right now that I'm dealing with. Um, so All right, perfect. Look, yeah. there are 300 VCs out there that you could possibly raise from. They all have money. They're all, they're all good looking. They all have very firm handshakes. Uh, what you need is a way to tell them apart and they all provide you references who love them, right? That, that is their job. Um, what, you, what you would like to, ideally to have is to build a relationship where you trust someone when you're in trouble. When, when shit hits the fan, you need someone to call at 11.59 p.m. at night, who do you call? And is it, the, is it, is it a guy who is a guy, woman, uh, a guy, girl who, who uh, you know, you, you would feel uncomfortable sharing your deepest, darkest secrets with, or is, is, was it someone you would trust to have your back no matter what? Um, and have your back not in a sycophantic way, not in like a, everything you do is awesome way. Yeah. Uh, have your back in a, hey, you're an idiot, do this other thing <laughs> instead. It's extremely obvious to me, but not to you because you're too, you're too deep into it. Um, so that's the kind of advisor that you want. Um, and you want to try to build that before you do this fundraising thing, because then it's very clear that you, like I've met people who've pitched 200 firms mm -hmm. and then, and then, you know, they got some deals and all that, but they don't have a good relationship. And that, that's yeah. ultimately what you want to build because it, essentially like that is going to be a, a, a you know, in, in, in some small way, a co-founder of the company. Um, so you, you definitely want to, uh, you know, build that strong relationship from, from a very early stage. Um, okay. Uh, apart from like that, that I feel like I was way too serious on that stuff. Um, you also <laughs> yeah. want, um, I, I think, okay. So, uh, you know, I'm wearing a shirt talking about open source. Uh, one, one part of developer tooling, uh, that, that differs from typical company building is that you can actually prototype things in public in open source. Um, and when it gets traction, then you raise, right? Because you have a bunch of data points showing that you essentially have put out a free version of something that a lot of people will love that are high value people. Um, that you can start building a business on top of. So uh, any number of companies would will fund you uh, immediately based on good open source metrics. And that is uh, an avenue that developers have that most other founders oh, do not cool. have. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yes. I like uh, that. And yeah. by the way, 
Yeah, but, uh, so by the way, uh, one thing I always like, like to offer to general investing audience is that the reason to invest in developer tooling is, is extremely sticky. Once you've picked a developer tool uh, and you've built the whole workflow on it, you've built the entire business on it, you don't mm -hmm. change, right? Uh, and Stripe's innovation in, in some sense was to turn banking into a developer tool um, mm -hmm. that you can access from API. Um, so, uh, and also one more thing, which is developers, uh, and this is the rationale for DevRel, developer relations, which is developers buy like consumers, but they spend like businesses. Um, so, uh, so you can reach them through traditional channels like uh, content marketing and mm -hmm. uh, conferences and speaking and podcasts like this one. Um, and then, but then once they, once they get your technology and once they, once they adopt you in their business, they spend like an enterprise, which is a very, very interesting dynamic for cost of acquisition uh, and, and customer lifetime value. Okay. Yeah. Uh, finally, uh, the, uh, uh, I think when pitching, I think people very much focus on like small, the, the finer details of like what the product roadmap is, like, you know, all that. Um, team is very important, but actually what is the precursor to a team is a really good mission or vision of what the future is going to be. Um, and that is essentially what I am, uh, I, I can raise a significant amount of money just on an extremely good vision because that brings in the customers, the employees, the investors. Right, like on, like have a strong, definite, optimist viewpoint on where the where the future is going and why uh, the time is now and why you're the right person to do it. Cool, very good advice. And uh, I will say for those watching on YouTube, I was wondering what your sweatshirt said. I, I knew it was a Star Wars reference. I, I like it. Though. I didn't realize it was made the source. Yeah. <laughs> ah, may the source be open. Okay, cool. So this is this is a good incentive to uh, watch uh, these podcasts on YouTube. And I think we're going to add video to our like podcast too uh, soon. Yeah, don't forget to like and subscribe. Um, all right, Colin, I think we've got some uh, trending Twitter threads for Sean that we want to get his take on. Oh, geez. Right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, hot takes. It's, it's Yes, just I haven't like, I haven't seen these before, by the way. For you have not seen these before. No, oh, we yeah. do not uh, give you much heads up here. <laughs> No, the, the hottest of takes are appreciated. All right. So this one is from Will Manidis. Uh, you've got to stop angel investing. You need to be slowly accumulating huge yeah. positions in two to three businesses run by you or your close associates. You can't index fund success. You got to go all in. Life isn't about owning a small piece of the pie. It's about eating the whole thing. Uh, and there's Love one it. more follow-up to it. Writing five candle checks into middling B2B software companies is the most cowards move in imaginable you might as well be buying bottles deploying 99 of your net worth and 100 of your leverage into funding the weirdest shit imaginable god will not have his work done by cowards um so yeah <laughs> sean what's your uh thoughts here um well so this is uh the always uh, fun topic of should you diversify or should you go put all your eggs in one basket right and i think uh different people have different risk tolerances uh, different people have different uh, goals when investing. Um, and so uh, I like that spirit um, and I'm doing it with my own business. Um, and uh, to some extent, you should not, uh, you should figure out what your goals are when angel investing. Uh, and if your goals are in angel investing are learn from a bunch of people um, and try to uh, build a strong network um, and uh, generally just you know, uh, be, be an advisor to companies. I think spreading a, a large net, like, you know, I have 25, like it's, yeah. it's manageable. Like they all know who I am. I, I have contacts on most, most of them anyway. Um, th I think that's manageable. Um, but I also think it's very true that I, I do see a bunch of uh, investors, uh, you know, sp 
spend meaningless checks on on companies that are don't are not that ambitious um mm. and like even your best case scenario isn't that good anyway so why are you bothering <clears throat> so so i definitely uh, agree with some of that sentiment and then disagree on the strength of the sentiment um for everybody uh but obviously you have to hype it up a little bit to be uh on twitter yeah <clears throat> um, yeah i mean i, I, I think, think uh go for it sean sorry well i i do think um like you want to see life-changing companies. You want to see like mm-hmm. world-changing companies. And you know, the next great to-do list or the next great like, you know, open source retool isn't going to do that. Um, and so a lot of people have poor thesis that are just time sucks and they think they have to do it because their friends are doing it. Um, and to that, I just say no one's, no one's pressuring you. You can just you know, ignore them or bow out. Um, and uh, and try to yeah focus on, on the big wins and and there are enough big wins that you can index big wins and not index small medium and large wins um, so try why not try, try to go after after only big ones <laughs> yeah I, I like what you're saying and I think what stood out to me is sort of the reason why you're doing it has to be important the goal has to be important you know not just because everyone else is doing it because it seems sexy, um, you know, kind of like, what is what is your real reason? What's your real goal? What are you trying to achieve here? Yeah. Um, I, I almost want, yeah, I always want people to have like an emotional reaction of like, wow, if this, if you're right, this will change everything or, oh my God, you're an idiot. Like this, this will never work. But if it works, <laughs> you know, you figured out something, something really important or like uh, or, or the best scenario actually is they have a working demo already. And you're like, how did you do that? Yeah. And, and if, if that, if you see, whenever I see that, I just invest. You know, I like the thing for me about the diversification versus concentration thing is that diversification is about muting volatility, right? Like that's the whole point of diversification is you try to spread so that you don't have high volatility, right? And concentration essentially can lend itself to higher volatility. And uh, I was thinking it's just an interesting like piece to this where, you know, it is true that in like venture investing, annual investing, you kind of want the high volatility spike, right? You want yes. to capture that. Right? Like that's where we all make our money. And so I guess you there's want, like- You a- want concentration rather than volatility. You, you want to be concentrated in the right thing, right? Yeah. You know, volatility down is never fun. <laughs> yeah. Limited downside, unlimited <laughs> upside uh, yeah. as always. And, and, and I think, but I think, I right. think it's, very, it's very important for angel investors to not like, to be very clear whether they're in this for- as a portfolio manager or as a side hobby. Uh, for me, it's a side hobby. For others, it might be a, mm. uh, like, a, like, they're like a mini PM, right? And that's, that, that really changes the calculation of, of like what kind of volatility you, you're willing to accept. All right, so we're gonna do another one. And this one is like completely different because it's okay. tax season. Um, it's a fun one. This is from Caitlin Donnelly. Uh, <laughs> And it kind of goes to what Sean was saying about managing all of your uh, investments. So this is uh, Caitlin, friend of the pod. I'm going to say, I'm going to give her a shout out. All right, yeah. Colin. <laughs> yeah, Caitlin Donnelly, GP uh, at Avalanche VC. Um, my biggest regret for my period of prolific angel investing is the K-1s from all the small checks. Taxes, what a mess. And I, I think she's referring to like SPVs here uh, that produce K-1s. Uh, yeah, okay. Um 
So what the, you just on the, the response? I, there's no question. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah there's no question mess, here, Sean. So it's just like free response. You, I have no thoughts. You, I have some thoughts. <laughs> no, you, you want a tax guy, and you want to send the tax guy everything, and like, you know, pay someone else to do it because you definitely don't want that to be an issue. But also, um, I do try to just be a direct investor in all my investments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I've only done one SPV out of everything else is direct, um, and that's just cleaner in terms of ownership. Yeah. Um, you also don't, you, SPVs tend to have like a syndicate lead that, you know, takes like a 20% carry or whatever. Um, Hate so those guys. You can source directly do that. Um, and, uh, and your tax situation will be simpler because you only make money or you don't. <laughs> I, I think that's actually pretty good advice because, um, you know, if you, you also get to do the, the 83B filing. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. If you go the direct route, right? Like you don't have all of these. I, I kind of replied to Caitlin, like I didn't get my, I'm in a bunch of, uh, L, I'm an LP in a bunch of like small funds and some big funds here in LA. And, you know, I didn't get my last K1 until October last year. So it's like, you're really waiting a long time if you're in the funds or the SPV uh, route. I don't know what the hell takes so long, but it takes a while versus the direct where you just sometimes never hear from them. <laughs> yes. Uh, which is you know, another argument. Yeah, another argument, by the way, for not doing small checks, right? Because if, if you want to, if you want to do all this work anyway, it's on it's like a per deal basis. It's the same work whether you invested five k or fifty k or five hundred k. Then try to do bigger checks. Try to have larger conviction. Uh, it does mean you have to have more available capital, but um, that's the bar for angel investing, really. Like if we're if we're being real about it, a lot of people want to dabble. To those people who are dabbling, I say start a paper portfolio and see how good you are anyway, right? Like, <laughs> that's fine. When you're playing with live ammo, you got to deal with all these things. Yeah, yeah. There, there's like a lot of like actual work that goes into the portfolio management pieces you said. Like once you start getting above, you know, 10 investments and you actually care about what they are, you got to, you know, start managing it in some perspective. And, and keeping relationships with founders. Like don't forget why you got this in the first place. Like you should try to be helpful to, to your founders because they will refer other founders. And guess what? All my best investments are from other founders. Hmm. Founders are really, really freaking good at picking other founders because <laughs> yeah, they'll, and, they only send you people who are better than them. Yeah. <laughs> that, there was, there was a uh, Twitter thread on this that basically you as a founder don't squander the time when you're a founder because that's your best deal flow. Um, <laughs> and it's so, it's so true, but you know, I was like, I literally tweeted earlier this week though, that like, I'm getting close to like, and I had a new one coming yesterday, like almost 40% of the deals that I'm like ended up doing and syndicating coming from cold Twitter DMS, uh, like inbound. Yes, that happens as well. And um, like, I've been blown away by the quality of like people that just outreach. So Long story yeah, short, but, they come from Hopefully everyone. you're not syndicating any LinkedIn DMs though, Colin, because those are a different uh, species. <laughs> Sean doesn't check his LinkedIn. I saw on his profile. <laughs> nice, nice. Yes, I've, I've hot LinkedIn takes. But no, I, 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 I might regret them. You know, I don't think Elon has been a good steward of LinkedIn, of, of Twitter. Um, that's it. Uh, yes, my, my biggest deal at the lowest valuation came from a cold Twitter DM. Um, mm. I took one look at the deal. I, I, I talked to him once and, you know, committed on the spot. Uh, and I'm actually happy for for what he's doing so far. So, uh, yes, keep your DMs open, guys. <laughs> All right, I think that's awesome. a per- perfect note to close on. Uh, well, Sean, we really appreciate you uh, coming on, and we'll definitely uh, look forward to doing our first uh, Dev Tools Dev Resource uh, investment here at some point yeah, in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, more than welcome. Uh, my pleasure.